Coote. Coote right through. Got a pass on to Brass, and Brass is in for the try. Oh, so easy. Nettie to Flannery. Flannery to Rickardson. Rickardson to Fletcher. Fletcher puts the arm up, and he goes over. Fletcher scores. Now it's one-way traffic. Williams has got the ball. Gets it on to Maloney. Sets himself. Kicks for Tupo. Tupo and Williams. Tupo! On a week where the country was mourning the loss of one of our great sporting icons, Silky. Well, we suffered another loss at the hands of the Newcastle Knights. But it wasn't all lost out there on Saturday. Our NRLW team, under coach John Strange, did an amazing job to defeat the Knights. So I tell you what, the Roosters are on the scoreboard. We got the victory. There was a lot to like about the way the girls played. And of course, well, the elephant in the room. We'll talk about that in a minute. Welcome to Week 2 Roosters Radio. Welcome to a game that we'd rather forget, Silky. Welcome. What were your thoughts? Yeah, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Roosters Radio. And I think you've summed it up pretty well there, Bush. I thought it was a great performance from our NRLW side, particularly that uh, attacking left edge with Isabel Kelly and Bridie Parker. I think she she scored a double. Uh, some beautiful service from Racine McGregor as well. Um, great with you know, the ball in Jess, hand. Jess Sergis uh, across the stripe as well. And, and I think Keely Joseph, probably one of the best players on the field that day. They got the cash, as you said, uh, 28 to 12. And... You know, good to see them, um, you know, finally get into the winner's circle. Yeah, look, we spoke to, up in the captain's club, we spoke to Captain Corbin Baxter and we spoke to Coach John Strange up there just about their style of play. And I I asked him off air, I said, John, coaching the women's side and and obviously different to coaching the men's, they seem to chance their arm a bit more. They seem to promote the football. And, you know, you're happy about that. And he sort of said, look, we want to try and get a, a nice shape and play a good structure. And I actually said, mate, from a fan's perspective, it's amazing because it reminds you of old-style footy. We know the modern game is very structured. Uh, He was really pleased with, obviously, the tries and the way they did hold the ball. I think he's after a bit more ball security. But what a great pair. They'd come up and made a really, really good uh, interview for for the captain's club, for all the guests up there. And after a great win, you could see the smile on their face. They're beaming. They're they're back in. The girls have got a bit of a chance. They've turned their their season around. They, too, started off with, with two losses, and we'll get to that. And you can just see the difference. What a difference a win makes. Yeah, and uh, I suppose credit should go to the coach. Coach, captain, and players. Yeah. But uh, they did a really, really good job out there. Newcastle were a tough side in the NRLW. And, uh, you know, they uh, formidable opponents. But for the Roosters to get the victory uh, means that they are back on track to, uh, you know, take it on. Now let's talk about the men's game. Obviously, uh, a disappointing result, it's fair to say. Uh, 20 points to six. Uh, you were out there, Bush. Uh, the, the crowd would have been... Pretty quiet, I dare say. I think it was three minutes until the end of the match when we finally crossed the stripe. But look, where do you want to start? It was it was a disappointing performance. From the from my view, I was out at Orange uh, at a kids water polo carnival. Match fitness seemed one of the issues. Like they were they were rusty, and of course, you know there, there was a lot of our, our big name players hadn't played all season. I actually thought that Newcastle, obviously, they had played some trial matches. I, I just they were rusty and clunky. I want to address this. We see a lot of things on social media. The world at the moment is a very funny place. You know, we could be at war. Petrol prices are, are huge. Oh, 
You know, you've got all these different things going on. And losing round one is not the end of no, your season. absolutely not. And there's a lot of things on social media with the fans with expectations. The problem, as I always say, being a rooster, from ball boy to boardroom, the expectations are high. And I will say this. There's a stat out there uh, from Jimmy Stats, our new stats man on the Roosters radio program. He actually comes up with, in 2013, we were beaten 28-10 by the Rabbits. We go on to beat Manly 26-18 in the grand final. 2018... 10-8, we get beat by the Tigers round one. 21-6, we overcome the storm. 2009, when we go back-to-back, 26-16, South beat us. We beat Canberra 14-8 in the grand final. And 2022, Knights beat us 20-6, and he has got us down as Roosters 100, Panthers nil. <laughs> uh, it's a photo doing circle on Facebook. And uh, Jimmy Statsman pulled it up, uh, courtesy of Roosters Radio. So I think the lesson here is if you look at that in the press conference, all is not won in March. I don't think there's need for panic stations. I love how Coach Robinson and Teddy sat in the press conference quite calm. There was conjecture over whether Connor Watson was actually an obstruction. Well, I'll just just before you start on that, because I, I know you have an opinion on it, a, a kick return and a penalty goes against us for interference. Like, you were at the game. Did, did you see it that way? We, we, mate, we had great view. Up in the captain's club, you're sitting behind the, the goalpost. The Roosters were... Defending in the first half. And, and it's a really nice spot to watch footy from. And we had a bird's eye view. We never professed to be the experts on Roosters Radio on football. So I was really interested to get Robbo's take and, and see what he thought from a technical point of view. But as a layman, as a fan, watching Connor Watson there, looking at the replay on the screen, looking back, look at his disbelief, hearing Teddy talk about it in the conference, who has the expertise, who also was seeing where Connor was. He was on the other side of the ruck. And you know what? But behind the line. So he, you know... It's a hard one, you know what I mean? It, it, with all the obstruction rules going on, I don't want to say, yes, it was, but I tell you what, it changed the momentum of the game. That's what I will yeah, say. Yeah, well, well, that was my next question because, look, there's no denying, having watched the game on TV, Newcastle completely dominated us. You've got to take your hats off to the Knights. Particularly up front, uh, they were, and, and, you know, I think our boys would be the first to admit that, that they, kind of, they got up muscled. Uh, you know, the error rate was really high, but, you know, I thought, that moment where the young Clifford scored the try kind of summed up our day. Yep. Two forwards passing, you know, short of the line. It goes, drops onto Siwa's boot, I think. Bounces up for young Jake Clifford to score and he runs runs through untouched. I thought that kind of summarised the, the performance of the day. It was it was just error-ridden yep. uh, and it was just not our day, to be honest. Yeah, and look, let, let's call it for what it is. It was a bludger of a game. We were clunky. Uh, we were like 13 cogs looking for a chain to connect to, you know. We just didn't have momentum, fluidity. We didn't have, you know, go forward. You know, Newcastle yeah. was strong. And Newcastle dominated us in the middle. And they also threw the ball out wide. And, mate, great kicking game from Clifford. That was a, a lucky bounce that uh, that he got. But it was a great kick. But it was a great chase too. So a really good you, chase. So if you see the chase, like there's no roosters within Kooi of Teddy. Uh, so, yeah, they, they turned Which is up unusual, to play. They, right? Look, they turned up to play. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, I think it's fair to say our blokes were behind the eight ball from the from the start. The combinations, obviously, everyone's talking about the the combination in the halves bush. Got any thoughts on that? What did you, is there anything that stood out for you? Look, uh, I tell you what, what stood out is you've got a team of blokes that are trying to combine together. You've got a pair of halves that haven't played much together. You listen well, to they them. haven't played. They haven't played. I mean, there's a stat out there. There's eight or nine of the players that took the field for the Roosters uh, on Saturday afternoon hadn't played a trial match. So you, you, can, you can train the house down, but there's nothing that can replicate that body contact and the physicality of rugby league, and you just don't get that at training. I'll tell you what, the joy for the fans. We've got Robbo for another five years. In Robbo, we trust. i tell you who I wouldn't want to be. 
Manly this week, <laughs> because I think when the players go back and, and it's, well, they got touched up too. Yep, yeah, it's a round one. It's going to be a cracking game on Friday night. Look, here's what I see: the across the park, we've tried different combinations, people in different positions. Momorovsky's on the wing, you know, which is a little bit unusual. Well, so. I think Joey Manu was actually played a fair bit of wing. He too, did. Yeah. He did not enough. That's you know him just easing back in after mm, his yeah. his pretty heavy yeah. injury, but um, it just didn't seem to click for us on 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 Saturday afternoon. It was one of those games you kind of just knew it was slipping away early, if that made sense. We just didn't seem to get out of first or second gear. Having said that, again, I think the boys will go back, look at the uh, look at the video, have a look at where they're at, and just go, yep, bad day at the office. There's no need for anything else than just, oh, well, we've got beat. i tell you what, the amount of South Sydney fans that were sitting there with bated breath and just death ridiness, uh, you've seen all that on social media, your own WhatsApp groups. It's quite interesting. So that's going to make for a big clash there. But, you know... When you get when your team gets beat round one, it's obviously something that you you want to start with a win. Yeah. But you know what? You don't want to get too excited too early. And I'll refer back to the stat we had. Not a bad thing. I got that feeling on Saturday. I thought this is actually a good thing. When Cooper Cronk first came to the club in eighteen, they were calling for his head after yeah, eight or nine rounds. Yeah, it was rounds. very clunky. Too. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And this I, felt great, great uh, recollection there. Yep. Bush. And this felt that type of clunkiness yep. and I'm going oh okay and we're all watching it and we're all hoping it gets and then all of a sudden we just get this role that's what I love about what Robbo does and I think it's worth noting Bush and we've been around the club for you know quite a while now that's the way Robbo coaches we've we've said it many times on the program he's like a Bart Cummings of a rugby league side he, he is if, if the if the grand final is the Melbourne Cup well he gets his team cherry ripe for that big day so to the fans out there okay you know no need to be burning your memberships and throwing your jumpers out and everything else that we've we've seen and heard on social media. Stick thick, and uh, we'll be there when the whips are cracking. I guarantee you that. Well, Silky's only one way to sum it up. In Robbo, we trust. Now, Bush, before we go to our first break, just want to give a shout-out once again to all those uh, up there in the Northern Rivers and Queensland are doing it tough at the moment. It wasn't it great to see uh, our roosters running out with the Mullumbimby Giants socks on there on Saturday? Yeah, absolutely, Silky. And as we know, our players go up to Brunswick Heads and uh, and get up that way and, and do a camp, and they really enjoy the area. And uh, as Coach Robinson said in his words, profit from the uh, fruits of the area in many ways, you know, accommodation and use of the uh, oval of the Mullumbimby Giants. So as a show of strength support, because they can't get there with obviously all the restrictions and everything else at the moment, they wanted to recognise uh, the community, which they feel is a second home for them. And it was really nice to see them run out in Mullumbimby Giants socks. And uh, we wish everyone up in that area in the southeast Queensland, all the best on behalf of all Roosters fans. <laughs> Roosters fans, it's a special day today. We always have a great guest on every week. And Silky, when you talk about performance, from ball boy to boardroom, the Roosters seem to have got it right over the last decade. Well, we can personally attest to this because uh, my, myself, while well, I watched this uh, when back then he was a young man <laughs> as a great athlete, uh, you know, represent the school we went to, a, uh, a prominent Roosters uh, school, and that he's gone on to bigger and better things, not only just in the corporate world, but in the sporting and performance world. I know you're a huge fan. You used to it, call he, him sir, and he, you still do. He may have a bit to answer for for my education, but we might get to that later. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I, I think, I think you've got that mixed up. Dave's not a miracle worker. <laughs> he's actually a performance coach. Some things yeah. he just can't work with, Silky. He wasn't a performance coach back then, I can attest to that. Yeah, good. I wasn't much of a teacher either. <laughs> <laughs> don't blame your tools, mate. The only thing, you know, a good tradesman doesn't blame its tools. I think one of the tools you had was silky. <laughs> Dave, firstly, welcome to Roosters Radio uh, for the first time. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate coming on. Dave, we wanted to uh, just you know, give our fans a, a little insight into 
I suppose lifting the veil behind, you know, what goes on behind the scenes, it's so intriguing for fans of Roosters Radio. We always talk about the football and then every now and then we get an opportunity to talk to someone like yourself about, you know, what you bring to the club. We all know that it's not the, you know, 17 chosen players and the squad of 30, but as the head of performance, you know, that's, uh, that, you know, it's a huge role at the club and we just want to touch base. But I thought we'd kick off with, and this will probably embarrass you, mate, you were, you were quite the athlete uh, when you were younger. So can we take us, take our fans on that journey, you know, what your interests were and, and you were an athlete just a bit of discovery there yeah look i you know i came from a, a really strong sporting family my father frank played cricket for australia um he went on the 1961 tour to england with richie benno's team and then a lot of his mates actually said that they felt he was a better rugby union player than cricketer um so he you know he was a great all-around sports person my mum was a track and field athlete um so i suppose it was just in the blood you know and um my brother and I were exposed to, you know, sport from a very early age, probably starting at Little Athletics. When we went to Waverley College, as you guys would both know, it's a, it's a really strong sporting school and, you know, we, we played sport every single term, um, different sports at, at that school and uh, did right through to when we, when we finished and loved it. Yeah, I suppose it's uh, it's interesting. Though. You go from the uh, the track to the classroom. I mean, it's one thing to be good at sport and also be actively involved. And we saw, you know, you, you had some records up at the college and all the different things. But now you move into, you know, the corporate world or, or into the sporting world. But as an academic, you know, it's performance. And, you know, how was that journey? How did you manage to drift into, if you will, this role and, and, and end up where you are? Yeah, look, I'm... Um you know, I, I continued on my track and field journey after school. I was a 400-metre hurdler um, and, you know, I was sort of in a squad of athletes that were very eclectic. You know, we had some pro runners. Um, you know, we had some really high-quality 400-metre runners that went on to, you know, Olympic Games representation and it just gave me a really broad cross-section of experience, um, you know, working with those guys, training with those guys and eventually I sort of fell out um, of my own career and, and stepped into coaching and I had a you know, I had a squad initially of you know, really good young athletes and that sort of you know I was able to cut my teeth really with, with that squad of athletes and you know I think track and field and, and speed in particular gives you a really good entree into um, getting into a whole range of different sports uh, and that's what happened for me. Dave just on that your, your resume you know we, we go through it you've you've been involved with Tennis Australia uh, Cricket Australia, you know, quite a, a few AFL clubs, the Swans, Melbourne and St Kilda. And I, I suppose you take a little bit of each of those learnings before you come to the Roosters. What are some of the, the things that you did pick up along the way? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I picked up a lot from a, a skill point of view, you know, honing my craft as a coach, but probably more so just the cultural stuff that I picked up. My first real gig in professional sport was ironically with the Bears. Um, I came on board with the Bears in the mid-90s as yeah, a sprint, yeah, sprint coach. Um, you know, JT was the halfback playmaker, and it's incredible that, you know, I've linked up with him again, um, you know, in the Rooster system. But really, you know, I was doing a whole lot before I landed the, the gig with the Aussie cricket team in 98 and went on the road essentially for three years with them. But, um, you know, the biggest learning I took from them was the cultural stuff that, you know, really Mark Taylor and Steve Waugh, drove that culture and you know it was an incredible era in Australian cricket you know with Warney and Glenn McGrath and you know Ponting, Gilchrist, Healy all those sort of guys and um, you know apart from learning how to be a better strength and conditioning coach you know it taught me 
taught me about team. You know, it really taught me what what a real team is and a great team culture. I want to touch on leadership, but you know, as someone who's been across the length and breadth of many sports, is there a similarity between some of those guys that you've just mentioned when it comes to leadership? Uh, yeah, yeah, there is. You know, to me, the first one is absolute knowledge and expertise of their craft and the game that they're playing and of their people. You know, and I look at some of the great leaders that I've sort of worked with and, and coaches, you know, Steve War and Stuart Maxfield at the Swans, Nick Rewald at St Kilda. You know, they were unbelievable sort of players, uh, but they had just a next level of knowledge of the sport they played and they were so intuitive with regard to their people and, you know, knew when to cuddle, knew when to when to bark um, and, you know, drove their respective cultures really well. Dave, what, you know, you talk so much about culture and we know that that's a big philosophy of yours and not just in sport, in business, in family, we know that you're very big on that. What are the key foundations for any of our listeners out there? You know, not all of us are going to run out in the football field for the Roosters as much as we want to. Some of us want to apply to our families, our businesses. What are the foundations for a great culture for success? Yeah, look, you know, it's interesting people talk about what's the definition of culture and culture is essentially, you know, what you do every day, you know, um, and a person and a group and an organisation's culture is sort of judged on on their behaviours that they perform every day. So I, I think for, for anyone, whether they're in business or looking at their family and, you know, it's having a real, you know, it's reflecting on the behaviours that you both display and uh, reward on a daily basis because that's what's going to drive your culture. You know, if, you, if you've got a really high-performing you know, you're running a real estate agency and you've got a really high-performing um, agent. But, you know, in a way they're toxic, they're, you know, sarcastic and, um, you know, undermining their fellow agents, even though they're bringing in a lot of commissions on a monthly basis. You've got to ask yourself whether the behaviours they're producing is good for your culture or not. And even though the bottom line is improving on a lot for a long-term sort of health of your business, is that going to uh, be beneficial to your culture or not? Yeah, amazing. With such a cross-section and a pedigree in so many sports, being an athlete yourself, what do you like to find uh, in working with either individuals or teams in an athlete? What sort of traits do you find in the individuals that you think drive that success? Well, I think hard work is the basis of it. Um, and, you know, that was the thing. It, it didn't shock me when I came to the Roosters. Like, I, I sort of, you know, I had a really open mind. But, you know, these guys are so hard working. Like you throw anything at them and they don't whinge, they don't complain, they just get on with it. Um, and that, you know, to me that's the cornerstone of, of a great team is that their willingness to work hard and secondly their willingness to work for each other. Um, that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a great team is a team that has an attitude where it's it's not about you. You know, it's about, you know, the team and playing your role for the team and, that was really evident to me straight away, um, you know, when I when I started at the Roosters. Some really good insights here, Dave. I just want to go back to you now and take us through the day in the life of the head of performance. What does that look like? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I'm full of we, them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we just finished pre-season and, you know, I suppose in, in the football codes as opposed to cricket, you know, you do have a real demarcation of pre-season and in-season um, and I suppose, you know, for us, 
the end of our training camp at Mullumbindi was the end of pre-season. And pre-season for me is just so full on. You know, the, the preparation we put into our big training sessions on a Monday, Wednesday and Friday, um, you know, boys are doing weights in the afternoon on those days. You know, Tuesday and Thursday is, you know, half days for the players, but it's where we do all of our planning around training. And, you know, if we've got a, a 90-minute training session, we're, we're spending just as much time planning that session, you know, from a coaching and high-performance point of view. So, you know, I, I sort of like to get up. I like to get up and exercise myself in the morning. So, you know, I'll get down and ride my bike to work through Centennial Park and do a few extra laps and um, or I'll go to the gym at the Roosters and, you know, with half the other staff to sort of get there really early and get that out of the way. Um, but really, you know, from I suppose 7:30 to to whenever you leave, it's it's pretty full on. And then, you know, I've, I've been sort of coming home most nights and you know doing sort of work on the next day or the next week. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty full on existence. Ironically enough, in season actually gives you a little bit more breathing space from a performance point of view because you know you're getting ready for a game on the weekend. And the hard work's done. Yeah, and then, you know the training sessions aren't as quite as intense as they are in pre-season, not as long. But I think the in-season period, you're focusing a lot more on the individual and, you know, getting the individual and creating an environment and a program for what they need to get up for the weekend. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. And, and you know, we talked to a lot of business owners, Dave, silking on our role at Roosters Radio and, and, and have the opportunity to meet with the corporates and the sponsors. And it's such an impressive organisation, as I say, from ballboard to boardroom. Listen, it's not Disneyland. We all know that every organisation has its ups and downs. One key question comes to us all the time, whether it's with athletes, business people, or, you know, just the, every man on the street. How do you separate being a great leader and being a great friend, because I find that you spend so much time with these people, you get such a relationship, and it's a common question we get asked all the time, and, and a frustration for some people in business or in sport, where's the line that you draw between being a good leader and someone that you know, you're familiar with? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a great question. I think one of the key aspects of any leader is building relationships with your people. Um, so that's, you know, whether that's with your staff, from a sporting point of view, with your players, you know, I, know I, did a, I did a lecture to a bunch of uni students last night and, you know, one of my big pieces of advice there is that you should go into any coaching situation or any role that you're taking on wanting to be respected rather than liked, you know. Um, and I think a lot of people get that wrong. At the end of the day, if, if you're respected by your people, you know, very often you're going to be liked anyway you know, because you're making good decisions and you're checking in on a regular basis with your people and you're building strong relationships. But if you do it the other way around, um, it just doesn't work. Dave, moving on, I wouldn't mind talking a bit about tech and the role that tech plays in the in the modern day coach. You know, what are the uh, advancements or, you know, changes that you've seen probably in the last, I, I won't go back five years, probably in the last two to three years. And where do you see technology playing a, a role in the future? Yeah, another great question, guys. Um, look, you, you look at sort of science and data, and I think there will always be a combination of art and science. And, you know, I've seen that with Robbo in particular. You know, mm. he, I don't think I've worked with any coach, to be honest, who is, you know, so into the, de the detail of every single training session and, you know, planning for games and, um you know, bring results, the, the right results on game day. But, you know, he, he has an art as well to his 
um, analysis and his his views of you know both players and, and team. So you know GPS for me is the obvious one. You know we're we're GPSing our players and getting data from every single training session. But you know it's you've got to be able to look beneath the data and look through it and, and see what it's sort of showing you but you know connect with your athletes as well and simply ask them questions you know yesterday was a was a really good day you know even though we're coming off a loss um, myself and the head of sports science we just spent three hours you know grabbing players one-on-one and just asking them how are you going how did you feel in the game mm. how was the week leading in and you know that just gave us a lot of insights into things we were doing well, but also things that we could sort of change and make make different. Yeah, we touched on that this week on our show, and, and our listeners will hear it at the front. You know, our fans, some of them are uh, burning their roosters' flags. One one yeah. gentleman's reported he's taken his photo of Nick Politis down in his bedroom, and uh, no, no need for panic. But it's a great question, Dave, that's raised. How do you, I suppose, manage the modern-day athlete? There's so many different personalities, and, and can you overanalyze situations sometimes with all this technology, all this data? Because there's a real fine line, I imagine, between getting it right and, you know, actually, you know, just having a stab. Yeah, look, there's, there's a saying in, in AFL that, you know, don't be fooled by the magnet board, you know. So if you put your team up on a, on a, on a whiteboard and, you know, you look at the names of that team and the team looks unbelievable, there's, you know, stars from fullback right through to hooker. Mm. What you've also got to do is have a look at, well, okay, what sort of preparation have they had coming in? And, I suppose for us, and, and Trent summed it up in, you know, his presser after the game, is that we had a lot of guys coming into round one, you know, who really hadn't played any footy at all yeah. in trial games. Yeah. Um, and I think what that showed is is that there's no substitute for match intensity. Um, and, you know, those guys, through no fault of their own, but, you know, they, they've had off-season surgery or, you know, compromised pre-season for one reason or another. You know, COVID's played a big part. And we've worked really hard in the last month to sort of play catch up I suppose with those guys and those guys have been amazing in the last month you know getting up to speed but there is no substitute for um for match play and and game intensity and you know that probably showed a little bit I reckon on the weekend but we're really confident that we can manage these guys Monday to Friday and you know the games are going to give them the conditioning they need and okay it might be a disappointing start to the season but we feel that it's going to benefit us at the back end of the year great advice yeah it is terrific advice i mean cooper touched on the tech side and that gives you the analysis one thing i want to touch on that i think has evolved over the years but again i'm a layman looking from the outside i love your expert opinion how much the mental side's changed we, we're pretty close to robo cooper and i personally and professionally and we've had him on a few times and he constantly talks about you know our footballers these days across any club but particularly at the roosters they're expected to be ferocious gladiators on sunday Alter boys Sunday night, professional athletes Monday morning, and business people through the week. And as a big strain, and 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 how much does that mental side has it evolved, and how much how important is it, uh, you know, to get the athlete prepared for what they're going to do the following weekend? Yeah, it's it's so important. You know, the mindset you bring into into battle essentially is, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, how how you prepared yourself physically. If your mindset isn't right, then you're not going to perform. I've got a good mate who's a he's the mental skills coach for the All Blacks and the the Hurricanes over in New Zealand, and he he has a great saying that you know he says you need to ask the question how much of your program your you know your high performance program involves not sweating and not puffing, and he said if it's less than twenty percent you need to have a good look at it, and you know to me that's that's one thing coming at the roost coming to the roosters that 
you know, Robbo puts a real focus on. Um, and, you know, w- without giving any sort of in-house secrets away, you know, w- we've got a program there that um, really focuses on, yeah, on on the mental side of the game and, and how each individual approaches high performance from, you know, their own point of view and from the team point of view. And for me, it's been really impressive walking into that environment straight, straight away and, you know, getting involved in that. Dave, been fascinating talking to you. Last question from me. What's the one piece of advice you'd give to any budding coach or, or trainer, you know, particularly we've got uh, kids' football seasons and, and, you know, the winter sports about to kick off. Any advice for the budding coaches out there? Yep, it's not about you. It's my big advice that I give to anyone getting into this stuff. It's it's not about you. It's about your team. It's about your players. Um, you know, whether you're a first-grade coach or you're a, an under-nines coach, it's about creating an environment that's going to improve your players every single time you have access to them, whether it's a training or on game day. So put your ego in your back pocket and sort of understand that you're a coach and a coach's job is to make their people better. Great advice. Yeah. Dave, that's just a, such a great insight. I mean, I, what I love about doing what we do, we're a very, very small part of a big picture that's a club, but it's such a great insight to get this level of answers for our fans because you can apply what you just said to business, family, relationships, friendships, and I just love what you've brought to our club. Mate, you know, we're big fans from back in the days of Waverley College cheering on your uh, your older, I suppose, fellow students and, and creating, as you said, a great culture back then. Move that into the Roosters. Who would know 25 years later you're in the red, white, and blue and <laughs> we're all sitting here together. It's a great thing. So we want to wish you the best uh, in bringing what you bring to the team. And we want to thank you very much for your time on Roosters Radio. I know the fans are going to get a big kick out of it and we look forward to uh, winning the first part of the season, which is getting to the uh, the you know the finals. And then I know Robbo takes it from there, so we don't put any pressure on talking anything, anything later than round 26. But all the best, Dave, and thank you so much for your time. It's great to talk to you guys. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again. Well, there you have it, Silky. Uh, you know, what a great insight from a, you know, a high-performance coach that pedigree speaks itself. Do we have a natural bias? Of course we do, and that's just on a personal side. But you know what? Set that aside. His record speaks for itself. You, you can't have that level of experience or that level of expertise without you know putting the work in and you know as I, one thing I took away from there, and there's many, the one thing immediately I took away, I'd rather be respected than liked. Wish I had a time machine I could go back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Silky and Roosters fans, breaking news on Roosters Radio. At the recording of this podcast, we are to learn that the great Arthur Beetson has been bestowed the honour of a stand named after him at the new Sydney Football Stadium. Silky, what a great effort it has been by the whole Roosters community, led by Chairman Nick Politis, led by Joe Kelly, our CEO, led by Jared Johnson, our COO, and of course, on Roosters Radio... And the fans, we've been driving this force, and finally, the decision has come. Well, absolutely delighted, particularly for the Beetson family. I'm glad that the uh, Heritage Trust were indebted enough to overturn the decision. But the man who broke the story, the one only Phil Rothfield, joins us on Roosters Radio with the scoop. Buzz, are you with us? Uh, good day, boys. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a great day to be a Roosters fan, and... I've got to tell you that, uh, you know, Arthur would be sitting up there with Tommy at the bar, mate, and they'll be clinking a couple of glasses. So it's just a real, real good day to be a rooster. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Buzz. And look, I have to say, you know, there's been some really great articles written by yourself and Andrew Webster. And, you know, the media, I think, got behind uh, this. I think it was a travesty that, uh, you know, the great man wasn't bestowed the honour earlier, but at least sanity prevails. 
and uh, we will see a grandstand named in Arthur's honour. Yeah, well, mate, he broke down many barriers. I mean, everyone loved Arthur. I loved him when he was at the Sharks. He's been across Parramatta, Belmade, Sydney Roosters. To not name a stadium after Arthur Beetson is an absolute travesty. So whoever's made the decision, mate, has come to the right one because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of bad decisions made in sport these days. But this is one of the feel-good ones for one of the greatest athletes and greatest men that have pulled on an NRL jersey, Silky. Well, thanks again for the scoop, Buzz, and uh, we look forward to speaking to you throughout the season. Yeah, mate, I, I absolutely love being on your show. I love I'm a sharky, mate, but I don't like this name you're calling me the mole. You're on Roosters Radio, and we'll be back right after this. Now, Bush, before we look ahead to Friday night's game, we spoke about it last week, but why don't you make East part of your game day experience? Grab a bite to eat up at Olive and Oak before you head out to the game. Free shuttle buses running to and from the SCG. 49% off drinks for two hours after the game. Wow. Can't knock that. And it's the home of our beloved Sydney Roosters. Absolutely. Get up to East League's fans and enjoy some post-match celebrations when we get the victory on Friday night over Manly. Now, Bush, let's turn our attention to the match on Friday night. Of course, Manly copped an absolute pasting at the hands of Penrith there last Thursday night. Both teams will be out to avenge the loss last week. How do you see it? Yeah, Silky, I watched the game last week. And at the foot of the mountains, Manly looked a little bit like our Roosters did on Sunday, which could be a good sign for them. Because again, you know, having a clunky start could mean success at the end. But who knows? That's just an omen. Look, traditionally, Manly can be a bogey side for us. I don't know what it is. Uh, you know that we we seem to uh, we seem to have some really tough games against Manly. I think they'll be just like us. They'll be smarting at some opportunities missed. They didn't seem to get out of first or second gear. They were all over Tom Turbo, the Penrith Panthers. So I think Coach Robinson will be coaching our boys to limit their options. Um, you know we're week two in combinations still going. As we said at the start of the show, I think it's time to just. Just sit there and just watch it all unfold. But I'm expecting the Roosters to get up this week and a bit of a turnaround from last week's form. Again, combinations are going to take a little bit of time. He's got the patience, he's got the methodology, and he's got the faith. Well, for me, it's about the errors, Bush. You know, our missed tackles was far too many last week. And, uh, you know, we turned the ball over way too many times. So if we can tighten up in those two areas, we'll have a much better performance than what we saw there last week. But, look, I think uh, I'm in agreement with you. I know the players would have been hurting after such a disappointing performance. I think it'll, it'll take them a couple of days to you know get back into their rhythm. Look, let's not forget, we lost Victor Radley uh, quite and early Billy too. Billy Smith, yeah. So, I mean, you know, Victor plays that dominant kind of first or second 5-8 role. So, Absolutely. you know, we get him back this week. I think you'll see a lot more starch up front. Players like Hargraves, Lindsay Collins, Siwa, I think they'll want to turn the tables a bit on the opposition. So, uh with all that in mind, I think it's going to be a tight game. I don't think there's going to be many points scored, to be honest. I think it's going to be Roosters 14, Manly 12. Wow, I like it. I think we're going to get across the stripe one more time. And I think it's going to be Roosters 18, Manly 12. And I think it's going to be reasonably tight. But I'm salivating at the matchups because I think both forward packs will want to go at each other. Absolutely. And, and try and dominate. I think both coaches will be challenging both packs to be able to do so, to lay a platform for Manly Strike Power in the, in the turbo and, and, you know, his brother, who's a great ball player. And for us, of course, we got Kiri, Sammy Walker, and, of course, Teddy. So I think Robbo wants to give them that opportunity to get that ball straight to the boys. 
Well, we hope to see you out there at the SCG on Friday night. You've been listening to Roosters Radio. Special thanks to our guest, Dave Misson, our high-performance coach. You've been listening to Roosters Radio, East to Win. East know how to play the game, they play it hard and fair. East know how to win the game, they